August 9th, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. I, Paul, can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you, something so evil that even the pagans don't do it. I am told that you have a man in your church who is living in sin with his father's wife, and you are so proud of yourselves. Why aren't you mourning in sorrow and shame, and why haven't you removed this man from your fellowship? Even though I am not there with you in person, I am with you in the Spirit. Concerning the one who has done this, I have already passed judgment in the name of the Lord Jesus. You are to call a meeting of the church, and I will be there in spirit, and the power of the Lord Jesus will be with you as you meet. Then you must cast this man out of the church and into Satan's hands, so that his sinful nature will be destroyed, and he himself will be saved when the Lord returns. How terrible that you should boast about your spirituality, and yet you let this sort of thing go on. Don't you realize that if even one person is allowed to go on sinning, soon all will be affected? Remove this wicked person from among you, so that you can stay pure. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the festival, not by eating the old bread of wickedness and evil, but by eating the new bread of purity and truth. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin, or who are greedy, or are swindlers, or idol worshippers. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. What I meant was that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a Christian, yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or a drunkard, or a swindler. Don't even eat with such people. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your job to judge those inside the church who are sinning in these ways. God will judge those on the outside. Hey everyone, this is Edwin. I'm just kind of going to give you guys a little reflection on the ministry and my experience and just sort of what it's about and what you're going to you know, experience for the most part. So in phase one, back on the original farm, uh, all the way out in Vinton County, and I was completely away from, you know, everyone for for five weeks. I ended up spending an extra week on the farm, and uh, it was life changing. You know, to get that sense of clarity and start to be so reminded and clear everything out again, and uh, have those Bible studies and have those uh, praise and worships in the middle of nowhere. You're able to focus and just be around a couple guys and like really start to experience God and start to feel Him again and open your mind up to it and you're not distracted by everything. So uh, I know first phase is a little different now, but I hope it's the same way in Lancaster where you have that clarity and that peace of mind and you're able to kind of, you know, clear yourself out and figure out where you want to go from from there. Phase two, uh, just, you know, back and forth between Columbus and Lancaster and uh, that's when you start building your work ethic and you start really repairing your relationships with your family and starting to build those relationships with brothers. You can talk to someone all day long, but when you're in the mud, you know, 20 degrees and Thompson's flipping panels, you know, that's that's when you really start building a relationship with someone, going through trials and 
at you know adversities with people that's what really builds you rather be from the relationship aspect of dealing with family trouble or just personal issues or work issues not you know just you know it when you go through a struggle with someone that's when you really start building that relationship <clears throat> phase three was a uh, start of you know getting a taste of real life again you're able to have money you're able to go on home visits you're able to get outside the bubble so to speak and you're learning how to balance coming back into the bubble and leaving and coming back into it and you start to see what a christian life looks like inside and outside the ministry and it's a very detrimental phase because in phase three in my opinion is the hardest phase because that's where you know, you're struggling with the world's temptations. So phase three is what took me out the first time. Well, ultimately myself, but it was in phase three when I left. Uh, phase four, man, is where, as Pastor Mike would say, you start you start dipping the cookie in the milk and you're eating it basically. So you're enjoying like the full experience. You're, you're going to work every day. Um, you're going on more um, kind of home visits or, you know, you're, you're going on better home visits. You have more of a trust with your family again. You're starting to work on your launch packet, so what it looked like for me is getting a GED, <clears throat> my license, and a car. And uh, when I was on home visits before getting, you know, the car my last month, the fourth phase, I'll be driving my relatives' cars and like going places with my little cousins, like the movie theater or, you know, just the different parks and waterfalls from where I'm from, and starting to realize how beautiful life is and to appreciate it again. Um, so that's basically what. A little bit of my perspective of the ministry and a little bit of what you guys, you know, should experience if, you know, you, you go through it wholeheartedly. Um, say one of the biggest, uh, biggest setbacks, or I don't want to say biggest setbacks, one of the biggest adversities I faced in the ministry is really looking at myself and accepting myself. And uh, pretty much, you know, I'm a kind-hearted person, so... I feel as if sometimes I'm too kind, or I feel as sometimes people walk on me, or, you know, just realizing that I have more control of situations and not to let other people make me feel a type of way, you know what I mean? Like, just because, like, you know, if I'm really kind to someone and they don't return that to me, or if I get overlooked past, or even treated negatively, that doesn't need to change my attitude, nor does it need to change the way you know, I act towards other people. And so balancing that and feeling as if I'm still a man at the end of the day and not getting prideful over situations after so long, because we all get frustrated in the ministry and we all get on each other's, you know, we all step on each other's toes here and there. And so that was probably my biggest challenge and learn how to deal with that and not, not harbor resentments and let go of things and, and not let other people affect my walk. Um, the biggest... Uh, um, I'd say breakthrough moment or the biggest moment that meant probably the most to me was when I, I came back into the ministry and uh, I, I was here for seven and a half months. I left for two months. I came back in and uh, my first encounter is my third week back in the ministry. My first encounter um, weekend. Um, I knew all the people from the first time when I left the ministry. Majority of them were still there. The original group I came in, everyone just phased up the fourth at that point. And uh, it was the loudest encounter I've ever experienced. Um, when, I, when I stood up, a couple guys, Sean Johnson, a few other guys got up and started like waving everyone to get up. And like the whole, the whole transfer in Lancaster just roared. And uh, I felt so ashamed of myself, man, for leaving and coming back. So for everyone to 
be excited for me to come back. Everyone that hugged me, everyone that uh, came up to me and said, I'm glad you're back. And it just made me feel like I was home and I wasn't like forsaken. Um, you know what I mean? I wasn't like God still loved me. Everyone around me still loved me and didn't, uh, you know, didn't like corner resentment towards me for leaving and stuff like that. So that uh, that that definitely is the most um, outstanding moment among many others. But that one stands out the most. All right. Well, um, just want to thank you guys for listening. I uh, hope you guys have a great work day. And um, I look forward to seeing you guys at encounters and I'll still be around, man. I'll go to coaches and stuff occasionally, so I look forward to seeing everyone. Good morning, gentlemen. This is Pastor Tom. I just wanted to read a scripture from Joshua 1.7. He says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all that the law of my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. I believe many times discouragement and things of doubt, unbelief, start to work on our faith. And we start to become weak in our faith and we start to doubt what we're doing and where we're at and why we're here. This is very strong that I just want to challenge us to get stronger in diligence and discipline in the law, the Word of God. I would suggest next, if you're struggling with discouragement, with your faith, with a sense of feeling less than, etc., I challenge you the next 21 days to go after the Word of God like you've never gone before. Uh, get up in the morning, really go for it with everything you have to search for it like there's pearls lost in the wilderness. Look for it as if it's like a deer thirsting uh, and hungry for, for the water that's out there. And I just, uh, I challenge you to go after this. And the, and the promise is, when you don't turn from it, that you may be successful wherever you go. And I think we're looking for this place of, of influence, success, that we can serve others and we can make a difference on the planet. And this will come from renewing your mind and getting your mind stayed upon wisdom, which is the truth of the Word of God. So try it give a 21 day challenge to get up every morning not just to read the words but to seek the word with all of your heart and then tell me after 21 days if you do not have a sense of courageousness within you a, a, a new strength come to your mind and your heart and there's just a, a new sense of wisdom that you truly didn't have before you started because I think we get depleted in the spirit man when we're searching after flesh and we're constantly just relying on our own wisdom, our own thinking or opinions of others. We need the word of God to wash our minds and to continue to stir us up with strength and with courage. So that's my challenge, Joshua 1.7, so that you all will be successful wherever you go. God bless you and tune in to the word and let me know. Tell your pastors the difference it's making. Um, just think we need to get back to the foundational understanding of the truth, which is the Word of God. God bless. Have an awesome day. Psalm 31, verses 1 through 8. For the choir director, a psalm of David. O Lord, 
I have come to you for protection. Don't let me be put to shame. Rescue me, for you always do what is right. Bend down and listen to me. Rescue me quickly. Be for me a great rock of safety, a fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. You are my rock and my fortress. For the honor of your name, lead me out of this peril. Pull me from the trap my enemies set for me, for I find protection in you alone. I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. I hate those who worship worthless idols. I trust in the Lord. I am overcome with joy because of your unfailing love. For you have seen my troubles, and you care about the anguish of my soul. You have not handed me over to my enemy, but have set me in a safe place. Proverbs 21, verses 1 and 2. The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He turns it wherever he pleases. People may think they are doing what is right, but the Lord examines the heart.